Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Power struggles in parenting are common, but they can also be stressful, unpleasant, and negatively impact the relationship you have with your child. In a power struggle, nobody wins. The good news is that implementing some consistent strategies can significantly reduce power struggles. When we learn how to reduce power struggles, we are teaching our children lifelong skills that build good character, such as responsibility and self-control. I'm Dr. Scott Koenig, a licensed clinical psychologist, and today we're talking about dealing with power struggles. This is Parent Savers, Episode 66. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. All right, welcome everybody once again to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for parents of newborns, infants, and toddlers. I'm your host, John O'Reill. Thanks again to all of you for listening to our show. Um, And thanks also if you've become a member of the Parent Savers Club. Parent Savers Club members get access to all of our archived episodes, bonus content after each new show where we continue the conversation with the expert. Plus, from time to time, we have special giveaways and discounts that we offer. So it's definitely cool, and it's cool that you are a part of it. But you can also, for free, subscribe to our monthly Parent Savers newsletter. And in that newsletter, we we offer a chance every month to win a membership to our club. Another way for you to stay connected to us is by downloading our free Parent Savers app, which is available in the Android and iTunes marketplace, so you'll always be notified and always up to date on the latest Parent Savers episode. We're all here today to talk about power struggles. Um, we're joined in studio, and we're actually going to put um, Aaron and Sonny on mic as well, so we've got a big group, because I think we all have some power struggles in our lives with our kids, so let's go around and introduce ourselves, and let's maybe say where we stand with our kids as far as the situation of power. I'm Scott Kelly, and I'm 36. I'm a certified financial planner. Uh, I have one boy, Alex, and he's three. Um, I, you know, the the in, about power struggles. I definitely see the difference in how Andrea and I, how he treats both of us. Um, I take more of a hard line with him than she does, and I definitely see, <laughs> I definitely see the. Uh, the challenge that she goes through yeah. w- with him. I mean, I'm, you know, I basically give him a couple options and he will do one of those two options. And that, that's how I sort of mitigate that issue with him. I'm Molly Riffle. I'm 32. I'm a stay-at-home mom and also a teacher. Um, I have a two-year-old, Abigail, and a three-month-old, Riley. Um, I'm kind of like Scott. I'm the one who lays down the law and gives my daughter two choices. She always gets two choices, and she can do the good choice or the bad choice, and (laughs) then she gets in trouble if she does the bad choice. And my husband is the one who's very relaxed, and he struggles with her constantly, constantly. (laughs) 
Um, hi, everyone. I'm Sunny Galt. I am the host and producer of Parent Saver Sister Show Preggy Pals, which is all about pregnancy. I am pregnant myself, um, pregnant with twin identical girls due in December. Yay. And yay, I'm getting right. my girls. Because I also have two boys. <laughs> That's a part I didn't get to yet. So, yeah, a three-year-old who is my power struggle in general <laughs> and a 14-month-old that I'm worried is going to become a power struggle because he's watching his older brother. Hi, my name is Aaron, and I am the producer, and I have a 20-month-old, um, Cash, and my husband and I are very um, similar in our techniques and our strategies, but um, I think our, our thresholds are much different, so that's something that we also are dealing with. And I'm Joner, and we have uh, three boys, six, four, and two, and as far as the power struggles go, I think that... We deal with it, you know, with the kids, too, and who has the power. I actually think the two-year-old ends up with the most power in the whole family, <laughs> um, and he knows it. And because, you know, we'll say things like like to the oldest, like, all right, he's two. Like, we just really need him to not be crying right now. And so, like, I know that's not a good technique, and we'll get into that. But right now, I think the power, I know the power ain't on my shoulders. And Scott, how about you? It's not as easy as just saying, um, I need you not to cry right now. Right. That's not, Surprisingly, that's not effective. Surprisingly, that's not effective. <laughs> right. Uh, my name is Dr. Scott Koenig. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I'm in private practice here in San Diego. And I have two boys, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. And um, yes, a lot of uh, power struggles going on in the house. And um, it's, But it was nice to hear when, when you were doing your intros, um, one, one of the strategies is really limiting choices. Um, I think, Scott, you were mentioning that, that it's just, you know, it's, it's this or this, and you choose one, and if you don't like it, that's... And that's often a very helpful technique. Whenever you can limit, you know, the amount of options and choices your child have, um, that should uh, at least one way of reducing some of that struggle. All right, we'll talk about that more when we dive into the topic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we start today's topic, um, we are going to look at an app on behalf of Parent Savers um, and see if it's something that we would recommend for parents. And this app that we're looking at today is a free app. It's called Babysitter Seal. And the name itself, I think, aren't, kind aren't, of... Aren't, aren't <laughs> like that kind of seal, <laughs> right? right? And, yeah, okay. and like babysitter. Like, I mean, maybe a seal would sit on your baby, but <laughs> this one, this one is designed to allow yeah and you can maybe hear it going in the background it's it's actually to provide some soothing sounds and maybe some activities for baby um and so you can get it for free on the app store if you look up babysitter seal and there's two settings there's the setting where there's a crying baby's face and there's a setting where there's a sleeping baby's face and depending and i think he's on the sleeping one now and then you've got five different choices of songs to choose from that are soothing songs for sleeping and if they're crying they're a little bit more um, like maybe a more louder white noise or maybe a little more uh, something that's going to calm them down, attention. draw their attention more and calm them down. It's not like police car sirens or anything like that. <laughs> they're actually, they're, they're calming and each screen has some slightly interactive things to do. I don't know, but like it seemed a little bit strange to 
think that you would take your device, whether it be your phone or your iPad, and leave it in the room with the baby to go to sleep. Right. To just kind of leave it there. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of the thinking behind it. Yeah, but you know, the, the one thing, you know, with, the, with the two settings, on both settings, you can touch the seal and it makes that, that noise, that seal noise. And, yeah. then, and then the bubbles pop, right? So if you're trying to get your kid to go to sleep, right. why would you want him to, to focus his attention on right. pressing that seal and making well, that ridiculous noise? I you know, think with- the thinking would be that... Um, That's a very in, good question. In either, well, I think here's the idea, right? And then here's probably where... You know, red flags kind of go up as like, wait, is this really something that we should be doing? Even me, who is someone who probably uses technology more than he should as we deal with the kids. But I think the idea is that here, there's a little lullaby playing in the background. So you touch the seal and then secretly get lulled to sleep by the calming sounds of the ocean waves. Right. <laughs> I, I think that this app, if you are, and there's a huge giant if, totally fine with using your phone as a digital pacifier to replace parenting (laughs) but it's probably kind of cool because it has a timer i just don't trust my little guy well okay first of all what what age range is this supposed to be for i i I didn't see i don't remember what it says on the. okay well like my 14 month old is still in a crib okay yeah and i would not leave a very expensive device like this in the crib but haven't you seen that like fisher price makes an iPad holder and an iPhone holder. I've seen that's that. the plastic yes. that they can hold and they could do it. But I mean, but Sonny, there is that, that baby in the crib that does do his investment trading too. He's got <laughs> lots and of smart devices. you would know devices. that, Scott, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's go around and see. Let's do thumbs up and thumbs down and see if this is something we'd recommend for our fellow parent savers. Scott, would you like to start? Down. Both thumbs. <laughs> down. I would say unless you have the E-Trade baby, thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to have to go with a middle ground on this simply because we use a lot of white noise mm-hmm. with our son when um, when we put him down for bed because we live in a very na- noisy neighborhood. I don't think that the little uh, interacting interaction yeah. point of it is good or even fun, to be honest. So right. I'm going to have to go with the <laughs> thumbs down. All right. well, I will say this. This app exceeded my expectations. When I heard about it, <laughs> but that still then? isn't enough to <laughs> turn the thumb up. So sorry, thumbs down. Let's look elsewhere. Sorry, babysitter seal. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now it's time to jump in today's topic, and we're going to talk a little more with dealing with power struggles. And I think as soon as, you know, most parents hear this, they say, oh, yes, there's power struggles in my house. Let's talk about it, and let's talk about some strategies to deal with it. So thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Koenig. Thanks for having me back. And let's start with talking about, you know, what do we mean when we're talking about power struggles? Well, for for today's purposes, we're talking about uh, an exchange between a parent and a child. Really, anytime you're asking a child to do something and they're refusing to comply when you find them pushing back against the request you've given or the rules you've set down, you will often find yourself involved in a power struggle with your child. And so how old 
do you see? Because I mean, so Baby Riley over there. I mean, maybe she is in a power <laughs> struggle in a way. Like if with uh, either you know, young babies, I guess can be involved in breastfeeding power struggles. Like sure. as far as like wanting it versus getting it. Um, but I mean, how old do you typically? Yeah, I mean, see there's, these? there's different degrees. I mean, you can make an argument that it can start. You know, certain things uh, around one years old, but. Yeah. You know, without sounding too cliche, the terrible twos is usually when you start to see most of it. Right. Um, and, you know, it can kind of happen, again, different times along the lifespan and yeah. um, and different intervals in the developmental process. Um, but really, it's when children are individuating. That's right. really the first step and, and exerting that sense of control and power and... You know, some of it is some of it is is very healthy and normal, and you know, completely within normal limits. But it's frustrating and aggravating at the same time. Yeah, and so to focus on the word power in power struggles and what you're talking about a little bit with control. I mean, that's kind of is that what's really kind of happening here? It really is about trying to control who has the power. What's happening with these power struggles? Well, look, I think all human beings strive to feel powerful. And children are no exception to that. So when a child is feeling overpowered by their parent, they may react because they're feeling powerless by fighting back through rebellious and oppositional behaviors. Sonny, what kind of rebellious and oppositional behaviors are you faced with? You know, him just not really wanting to to listen to me. And, and I feel like that is a that is a power struggle. You know, I tell him to do one thing. He does the exact opposite. Or like I said, I feel like he's a bad. <laughs> it feels like I'm totally like bashing my child <laughs> hey, here. He's it got is probably versus Sayer. About thir- in 13 years, he's going to think it's hilarious <laughs> when he's kind of listening to all this. But I do feel <laughs> that it's kind of it's it, it can be rubbing off on, again on my 14 month old. And he is right. just my 14 month old, you know, Granted, there are differences in behavior simply because of their age. But I really think the 14-month-old is going the more subtle route and not so aggressive as my older one. But I I feel like he's being tainted a little bit. Like, oh, well, my bigger, you know, my big brother doesn't listen to mom, so maybe I shouldn't. Or maybe I can throw that toy because my big brother throws that toy. Well, I mean, I think it's also tied into as a parent knowing the line and setting the line as far as, like, what are you trying to control and what can you kind of just let them get away with the whole pick your battles yeah Yeah. you know one of the things um that i've heard is that this 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 power struggle thing is um from the from the child's perspective is uh is like a is they don't feel safe with the rules of the game i mean is that have you heard of that dr scott or they don't they don't feel like they're they're kind of operating in this abyss and they're not they feel more comfortable on the fringe where there's a lot of activity going on you know the, the choices and this and that when you give them too much or they're not confident that they're yeah, well, you know, like, uh, how a child, uh, their perception is, you know, negative attention is also attention. So children are often seeking attention. So crazy time, to me. Right? <laughs> it is, it is. But it, it's it's attention. You're engaging. Right. And when your child is acting out and you engage in that, um, and we all do it, mm-hmm. um, and especially if the tantruming and the whining is going on for a period of time, it's really hard to not it's really hard to ignore ignoring is actually one of my favorite interventions in the world and it can apply to so many things um but the moment you engage you are sending a message to your child that the longer i misbehave i will crack you i will get to you um so yeah i mean it's again it's it's such a normal part of development um, but where we make the mistake is really often in the level of engagement that we 
you know, that we put in uh, to it when our kid is acting like that. Well, so let's figure out as parents, let's start talking about, you know, what it is that we maybe need to do to help solve these power struggles. Because it's, the onus is on us, right? It's not like we can ask our kid, like maybe somebody admitted in the introduction, like, I really need you to stop crying right now. <laughs> like maybe, maybe that's not And you fair. said that wasn't effective again, right? <laughs> right. Well, from an, look, from an intervention standpoint, you know, I mentioned ignoring. I think ignoring, I, I, I always joke in my practice with parents, I said, you know, I went, uh, you know, to graduate school and the whole thing and the best thing I walked away with was ignoring, you know. Um, <laughs> but... But there, there's kind of a systematic way of doing it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm really big on, you know, not just ignoring your child where they're not understanding what you're doing. So I, I always kind of start it with a verbal prompt. You know, mommy's going to ignore you right now until you can calm yourself down. Or daddy, of course, is going to not pay attention to you while you're in this emotional state. When you can calm yourself down, then we can talk. The problem is, is once you start ignoring So let's say you're ignoring for 10 minutes, which in parent world, that seems like three hours, right? So you're ignoring for 10 minutes and you're doing great and you're doing awesome and your child's following you around. You're not looking at them. You're not engaging with them. And at 10.01, you look to your child and you, you address them with your body language or you say something you might as well, that, that 10 minutes meant absolutely nothing. And in fact, it actually was such a negative intervention because you've just, again, showed them, if I misbehave long enough, I will get to you. And it makes the next time you ignore that much more difficult. Because it just automatically sets the bar. Like, they'll just go right to that 10 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> smart little buggers. I know. I know it. I know it. 10.01. I can, I can get to my mom. So the key is, look, you know, there are certain behaviors that can't be ignored, okay? You know, physical harm, physical harm to a sibling, destruction of property, you know, they're throwing vases and things or throwing things at you. Then, you know, those are things we can't ignore. But so many things that our child, that our children do, such as tantruming and whining and repeating the same thing a million times to get what they want, those are the types of things that you can ignore. And ignoring does not mean you're detaching in a way that is not showing your child love. It's just showing them that in order to get my attention as a parent and get your needs met, because children are little narcissistic beings, they want their needs met. Oh yeah. You need to behave in an appropriate way. And it's a really good life lesson, really setting them up. One of the things that happens with us though is I think that Christina and I will choose different times to ignore. <laughs> and so we'll like be driving There's in the no car. Consistency. You know, we'll be oh, we'll be driving in the car and like <laughs> someone's just gonna be whining. Daddy, 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 daddy. I'm like, uh, and she's like, do you hear him? Are you gonna answer him? And I'm like, no, I've kind of chosen the ignore technique right now, obviously, but it kind of doesn't work right. if one of them, if one of you can't ignore in that moment. You need to be like a third base coach. You have to have like a signal. That's like, right. Like tug your ear. Because that's the problem Matt and I have as well. And I think that what Dr. Scott is saying is, is that if you have that prompt phrase before, then everybody right. knows, oh, okay, this is ignore mode or avoid stance. Yeah. Good, good, good. But then I guess you need to set up the end time too. Would that help with getting rid of the whole 1001 
syndrome saying like after 10 minutes i'm going to talk to you again or i guess does that defeat the whole purpose of well it's way? variable and it's going to fluctuate and I, I there's not an exact science to it but the longer you get into that mode and again i think that's a great point in terms of the consistency you know both parents have to be on the same page there has to be some dialogue of okay you know it's like preparing for battle it's like okay when this happens and you know it's going to happen i mean you're, you're in tune with your child often you often know what the antecedent is right what's come before the behavior you have to do it together if one parent's doing and the other isn't it's 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 a wash it's not going to be effective um but the longer you do it and the more consistent you do it um it should really decrease the length of time the duration of the tantrum and also the frequency of the tantrum because if a child is going to internalize wow this strategy of tantruming is really never working. I'm really never getting my needs met. So I need to find a different approach to get my needs met. That's what we want to install in the child. I, I, there's a couple things that I've uh, that I've tried, and I don't know. Um, one is, uh, you know, with with Alex, I'll say, you know, okay, you know, he'll do his thing, and I'll say, you know, what would be a way to tell me that if you really wanted to get what you wanted, if you really wanted God. it, you know, he what, tells you his tricks. what would you do? Yeah. You know, just tell me, you know, tell me, what, you know, if you really, you know, he'll think about it and whatever. And usually it's a please or something like that. It's a lot calmer than what he's doing. The other thing that I like to do is when he's flailing and he does a, his little tantrum, I'll get on the floor and I'll throw a bigger tantrum right. than him. Great. I'll do an absolute big, and, I'll, I, I, and he'll, he'll be like, well, what's wrong, Papa? And I'm like, you know, like You're hitting the ground crazy. and everything. And then all of a sudden, it's like the narcissist. It, it, it moves from him to me, you know? And yeah. all of a sudden, it's like whatever he was crazy about was, you know, it, it's now about something else. I, I think as parents, we, we really overuse the timeout intervention. It's like our default. Mm-hmm. Um, just because sometimes in the heat of the moment, we don't know what to do. But it's like, I, I like sometimes even within a house, creating like a safe area. Um, and a, it's, a, it's a positive timeout. It's, and yeah. you don't even have to use the word timeout. Just, you know, you need to go to your quiet place right now where you can calm down. Sometimes it's in her room. You can create like a tent or with a boy. Sometimes it's a fort looking like structure. And it's kind of a nice visual cue for them to, you know. Yeah, we have her closet. We have her c- a little couch in her closet. And she's got books. And she can go in there and read. And when she's ready and calm enough, she can come back out and engage us and she realizes it works, so now yeah. she goes through that quicker. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk a little more about you know other ways to deal with power struggles. There's um, some good parenting tips Dr. Koenig has as well, and we're going to talk about some more positive reinforcement too. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're talking about dealing with power struggles with Dr. Scott Koenig and an all-star panel of panelists who we're all dealing with our own power struggles. And hopefully, you're enjoying the conversation, and we're going to continue it now. So let's start with talking about some of the positive reinforcement techniques. I think we've probably already touched on a couple of them, but if there's anything else to add as far as there goes, and I know you've also got some good parenting tips as well. Yeah, well, you know, I, I always start, you know, whenever I'm working with a new family, I always start with what I call the CPRs of parenting. And we're talking about consistency, reliability, and predictability. And those are the key. And you know, I'm, I'm always, I am, I, I'm, I'm really, unless it's you know completely out of whack, but I'm, I'm really so interested 
in different strategies that parents use. And, I'm, and, and, and when they say, you know, Dr. Koenig, can I try this or should I try this? I, usually my answer is yes, give it a go, but just be consistent, predictable, and reliable with it. Don't try something for two days and say that it's not effective. Um, so that's often a key. We're talking yeah. about the follow through, you know. Um, and in terms of behavior modification, you know, it, it's often a really good way to reduce power struggles when your child feels like they're working for something and working for something doesn't have to be a toy it doesn't have to be something you know uh, that's you know re- really expensive it can be positive praise it could be that they're working for a special special time with you a special activity we can do a token economy system which is usually the most um, you know well-known uh, behavior modification intervention where your child can earn tickets or stickers or poker chips or and sometimes you may want to attach a reward menu to that so they know that, oh, if I can save 10 chips, I can get this. If I can save 20 chips, I could get this. But, you know, Dr. Scott, I'm, I'm, what I'm struggling with here is that when, you know, struggle. acting with, when I'm power struggling with here, <laughs> as we, is that, are we having a power acting, struggle? <laughs> I think we are. <laughs> the acting right is like fundamental or should be amongst a society. You know, when you reward a behavior, it's almost saying like, you know, should they be rewarded for doing something they should already be inherently doing? It's a great question. Great question. Um, so we're talking about the difference between uh, bribery, Right. And something that just should be the expected norm of how they're behaving. So I'll kind of give this example. So if you're in um, a, I was going to say a toy store, that might be a little, uh, let's say just a grocery store, for example, okay? And your kid wants a candy bar and they're screaming for the candy bar and you're saying no and they're, it's escalating and you're getting anxious because a lot of the other moms and dads are giving you the stink eye and you just want to diffuse the situation and you say, here, here's the candy bar. If you stop crying, I'll give you the candy bar. That's bribery, okay? I've never done that. Right? No, never. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I've never done it either. That's right. Usually some, uh, some expletives around that. <laughs> but look, it's, it, it's no different than any stage of development where you're training your child. Right. You know? Um, so I look at it as if they're working towards something. And again, it doesn't have to be a toy, but there's certain things that we need to shape and mold. I think the easiest thing to do, and I think the easiest message to convey to the child is you got to have a target behavior. You got to have something specific that they're working on. I think sometimes parents make the mistake of, okay, we're going, we're having a play date right now and you just, you need to behave. You really need to behave. And the kid's thinking, okay, I guess I know what that means. But there's a difference between saying you need to behave versus saying you need to follow directions the first time I tell you without arguing. Or we're going to have, maybe you're, maybe you have siblings and there's some aggressive behaviors and maybe it's, you know, we're going to have quiet hands right now. We're going to play together very nicely and calmly. If you can't do that, then we're not going to play together and I'm going to take the game away. So you're kind of setting up expectations yeah, beforehand. Very specific. But it's a great question because, you know, yes, some of these behaviors should be expected, but you need some tools when they're not. What are some other things that we need to make sure not to do to deal with power struggles? <laughs> Too many choices. Yeah. I think often, you know, and, you know, uh, I often find, you know, 
AM routines and PM routines for parents are often really, really difficult. Dinner time, meal time is so difficult for parents. Um, you know, you, you ask your child what they want and they say, okay, I want macaroni and cheese. And you give them macaroni and cheese. And then they say, I don't want macaroni and cheese. And then you go back in the kitchen and you make them a hot dog. I don't want a hot dog. And then you make them a pizza. And it's like you become a short order cook, you know. And, um, you know, it's... It's, it's limiting choices. Okay, tonight for dinner, you can have macaroni and cheese or you can have a hot dog. But choices are good because they it. get control though, right? Like it's okay to maybe give two, Choices are okay. But don't give, like not, if you could have anything in the world for dinner, what would you have? Like no, that is no, overwhelming. No, no, keep, keep, keep the choices very limited. We talked about ignoring. Um, another big uh, I- intervention I like is when-then st- statements. When-then statements. Um, a lot of books talk about if-then statements. You know, if you do this, then you'll get this. I don't like that because whenever you say if, it gives them an out, right? Yeah. It gives them a choice. So when you clean up your toys, then mommy will read you a book. When you calm yourself down and stop crying, daddy will take you outside and we can throw the ball around. It's really an effective strategy. I'm very big on schedules and routines. I think you uh, severely limit power struggles when a child can anticipate what's coming next. Um, I like, I, I have a big helper intervention. I think when you get a child to feel like they are empowered and you say, oh, can you be my big helper? I need help uh, making dinner. Or um, can you be my really big helper? I need some help, you know, cleaning up the floor and we can sing a game and we can do a, a, a beat the clock. Let's see if we can clean up the toys within 30 seconds. And it's amazing how that stuff can really be effective versus Johnny, you need to clean up your toys. As we're looking to change behavior, what are some, you know, reasonable time frames? Like if we're if it's a behavior such as, you know, say your kids throwing things when they shouldn't be. And you know that that's a big one. And I mean that's their sign of the power struggle. I mean, I don't think it, it's not reasonable correct to say, "All right, I've set up this chart now, so no more throwing." I mean, or, or is it? I mean, is there a learning curve? What are some reasonable time frames? Cuz it's hard to change behavior overnight. Uh it, very hard, very hard. Um I'm very big on the first step is, again, defining what that target behavior is. So maybe it's throwing toys. Maybe that's the target behavior we want to go after. And we want to do one at a time. Right. Don't okay? do a bunch. Don't do a bunch. Measure the behavior. Get a baseline so that you really know how problematic this is. Sometimes as parents, I think because it's even hard to remember what we did yesterday it's really difficult to know how frequently this behavior is occurring. Sometimes we have a tendency to either overrate or underrate the amount that something's actually happening. So what I have parents do is measure the behavior for one week. So if it's throwing toys, we would probably want to use something like frequency. How often is this behavior occurring? Measure it for a week. Come back. Let's see what we're really dealing with here. Then we're going to have an intervention, whether it's a token economy system where they can earn stickers or charts combined with the reward menu. I usually, sometimes it depends on the behavior, but I usually have a 30-day rule. I like to try something for 30 days before we put a kibosh on it and say that it's not working. So, But again, do one at a time, one behavior at a time. And then a good verbal reinforcer is you're doing so great on not throwing your toy that we're going to add another thing in here where you can even work and get more of X, Y, and Z. 
All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Koenig, and thanks so much to everyone who joined us in the studio and for all of you guys for listening. For more information about dealing with power struggles, you can make sure to check out our website. We've got more information and a link to Dr. Scott Koenig's website as well. Uh, that's all going to be on the episode page on parentsavers.com. We're going to continue the conversation for members of our Parent Savers Club after the show with Dr. Koenig, so stick around for that if you are a club member. For more information about our club, visit parentsavers.com. Now we have a question from Marie. Marie writes, my 10-month-old bed shares and wakes up every 30 to 60 minutes for the first three to four hours of the night, and she nurses every two to three hours during that stretch. Then we'll do a four to six hour stretch, but why the frequent waking early on? Naps are similar, but every 30 to 45 minutes. I think she doesn't transition sleep cycles well until that super deep sleep in the middle of the night. Is there any way to help her transition cycles better? Hi, Marie. This is Joanna Clark of BlissfulBabySleepCoaching.com, answering your question about your 10-month-old that is waking up frequently during the night. I understand that can be so challenging, Um, and it's true. Sometimes in the beginning of the night, there are many, many frequent wakings, Um, and one of the main causes of that can be two things. One time is bedtime is too late. Uh, That can cause frequent wakings, and for that age group at 10 months, it's best to have a bedtime Uh, typically no later than 8 p.m., and the best way to work into that uh, bedtime is to look at your nap schedule and not to have more than a four-hour interval between afternoon nap and bedtime. Uh, So that will definitely help minimize your wakings. And also regarding naps, um, at 10 months, uh, the typical sleep expectation for a child of that age is to get three hours of daytime naps spread between two to three naps a day. If a child isn't getting close to those three hours, that absolutely will contribute to multiple wakings during the night. So I would go back to napping and kind of see if you can do better and coax your baby back to sleep um, after some of those short naps you're experiencing. And over the course of time, you'll find that some of those night wakings might go away. And again, to double check on your bedtime as well as that four-hour interval between after nap and bedtime, and that should help you. Good luck, and uh, take care. That wraps up today's show. Thanks so much for joining us on Parent Savers. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, hosted by Sunny, who joined us today, who once again we're so excited for, is pregnant with twin girls. And our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. Next week, we're going to be talking about plagiocephaly, or flathead syndrome. This is Parent Savers, empowering new parents. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. 
That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.